Hey y'all, hey, welcome to Where's My Blueprint Podcast, where we talk about all things adulting, our experiences as three Black women on this amazing journey of living our best life, trying to support each other as we figure out this ghetto world of adulting. I am joined by my amazing co-host, Nay and Sunny D. Hey honeys, I'm Nay, your virtual homegirl who thoughts on almost any and everything. Also, full-time parent, and sometimes you may hear my little one in the background of this podcast. Lo siento, I am sorry. To me, adulting is a game of whack-a-mole. Once you think you have one thing conquered, something else pops right up. Hey everyone, it's Sunny D. And to me, adulting is choosing to be your best self while that laundry piles up and the dogs chew on your good shoes. Yo, this is your girl, Nakai, and I'm your host of Where's My Blueprint Podcast. I randomly burst out in song, love ice, and think adulting is a beautiful storm of I get to do what I want to do mixed with what the hell did I sign up for? Thanks for joining us. Now let's get to the episode. Hey, welcome back to our Small Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver entertaining, educational, and some inspirational thoughts and comments all about adulting. Y'all, it is hot out here. If you are in Texas, please tell us how you are keeping cool because I am sweating from every part of my body. Lord, I don't know about y'all, but these little pita light freezer pops to keep me um at least hydrated with some electrolytes are melting before I can even get to the bottom. So Lord, be a vent and a cloud and some rain and some shade. But with that, we have something new that's dropping and Sunny D is going to tell you about it. Hey friends, can't get enough of Where's My Blueprint podcast? Join our free VIP community for exclusive WMB content, including a brand new newsletter, bonus episodes, and so much more. You can sign up for free by clicking the VIP is a place to be button in our link tree in the bio of our Instagram at Where's My Blueprint pod. Can't wait to connect with you. And also with that, Nay, go ahead and tell them what they can do. So guys, you know, we come up with all of the content, but this is y'all's podcast too, uh, to some extent. So please, if you have any other topics that you want us to delve more into, any topics you want to hear our takes on, because you know, we keep it popping hot out there here. Email us at wmbpod at protonmail.com or hit up that little drop box on our website at wheresmyblueprintpod.com. Once again, you can email us at wmbpod at protonmail.com or drop us a little comment, a little note, a little suggestion at wheresmyblueprintpod.com. And so y'all know we definitely need to pay our bills. So if you are a business owner and looking for a way to create systems to help streamline your business, check out ICL Solutions. It is an online business strategy who specializes in creating systems for businesses. Use the code WMB to get a free 40-minute consultation. All right. And with that, Sunny D Girl, how did you engage in self-love this week? So I randomly found, not randomly, I saved it, then I forgot about it. So it was kind of random. But a couple of Christmases ago, my husband got me a bunch of spa stuff and I had these foot mask things. Have you ever done one of those? Where It's like a sock. It has all the, I don't know, oils and squishy things in the thing. And you put it on just like you would a sock. You wrap it on your foot, you leave it on for like hour and a half, two hours. So I did me like a little mini petty situation. I think that was my self-care day, self-indulgence 
went. I did a bunch of stuff. And I enjoyed it. I just, I put my feet up two hours. I just let it get all into the crevices and all into the skin and stuff. And it smelled really good. And the puppies were curious because I was like, bitch, what is this on your feet? <laughs> Why I smell like lavender? <laughs> like, they were so curious. But I just enjoyed it. And it was so nice. And I forgot how much I liked doing it, which is probably why I saved it because it was the last one. And I probably did that on purpose because it was the last one and I was going to run out. So now I need to replenish so I can get in the habit of doing that at least once a month because that was just really relaxing and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, yes. I love those. I do those weekly because my feet be feeding and we in the summer. Yeah, but we in summer. So you got to, you know, you got to keep the feet pretty, at least somewhat. You know, you don't want it all crusty. But like, doesn't it, isn't it the one that it's like a foot peel, right? Is that the one that you use? Um, I have used that one, but I don't use that weekly. I only use that okay. one time because when I used it and then three to four days later, I was like, what the hell is wrong with my feet? What is this product? I had to go back to the picture and was like, oh, it's a foot peel. Like it's going to peel off everything. But what I have started to do is use those once a month because it's still really good because as much as I do from like dancing to workouts to Zumba and stuff like that, it's still good to peel off all that dead skin. But I typically use the ones that are um, like the Adeno and Adeno, if y'all are listening, yes, you can go ahead and do a sponsorship or an affiliate with us. Um, the Adeno ones, I use those weekly because those are more nourishing and um, kind of more like relaxing. It doesn't peel. It's just more nourishing. Okay. That makes sense because the first time I did it, I did the same thing. Totally forgot, skipped over the, in five to seven days, like your dead skin peel off. And I'm over here shedding like a snake and I'm like, what is happening? But I forgot that it does that. So I was like, if you do it every week, you just peeling all over the place, but it makes sense that you do that monthly. So, okay. Cool. Yeah. And how I showed um, or engaged in self-love this week is honestly, I had to make an emergency call to my therapist because this week was weakening. I could not figure out a lot of things on my own. I was in my head and I could not get out of my head. And there was a consistent theme and pattern that I kept seeing around me or like what people were telling me and things of that. And it's like, wait a minute, something's going on. And I could, when I can't figure it out and I can't do anything about it myself, I needed to reach out. And so I'm so glad I did because not only did she squeeze me in since I'm not technically on her, um, her roster, but she like kind of squeezed me in, in an emergency session and it was much needed. And she was able to kind of reset me to move forward. So that is something that I needed. I'm glad for it. And I love, love, love my therapist. And thank you so much for dealing with me. Cause you know, Nakai is Nakai is a Nakai. <laughs> Girl, either or, either go back to college and party like a rock star or go back to high school and change your social status. I had fun in high school. I don't think I would change my high school experience. It was, people loved me. It was great. College though, I would go back to college and I would thoroughly enjoy it. I didn't have that typical experience because I was dealing with my dad in the hospital and I put that as priority one, but he would have wanted me to really enjoy college to the fullest. He was very excited for me to go to college and adamant about wanting to enjoy the experience and make mistakes and learn from them and grow. So I would go back to college and attend all those parties that I told myself I couldn't do. So I hated high school. <laughs> 
not gonna lie. Hated high school. I literally, I am probably the definition of fake it until you make it, or at least, you know, this is, this, this is a portion of your life. But when I get out, I'm gone. I don't want to talk to none of y'all. I don't want to be around y'all. Every single person in this school, besides the ones I still deal with today. If you know, you know, I love y'all because we still day ones from now. But other than that, if high school, I ain't going back. Uh, <laughs> but for me, I would agree with you with college. Like I partied in college, but I wanted to like party, party, like really engage in like those parties that everybody's like, oh man, I wish you would, you, you just had to be there. You know, like I wanted that experience on top of like, I'm being honest, some, some part of me kind of wants to just be a thought. <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to do that. And like on top of that, but also really get the college experience of like even doing, what is it called? Like study abroad, spring break too. Like, yeah, having spring breaks, not coming home with family, but actually going international, traveling on spring breaks. Like I want my college experience back. Like I think I had a great college experience, but I want it to be elevated. Yes. And do a lot more and party and everything. Because like I said on a previous episode, like I party, like I was able to balance, you know, partying from like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and still working three jobs, but I wanted it to be like, I don't know. I guess we have to define what does party like a rock star mean? Like, am I over here like trashing, you know, the rooms and doing all that? I don't want to be destructive because, you know, stuff like that comes back on you and I have to pay for that. And I was already working three jobs. I don't want to have to get a fourth to pay something I destroyed, but just to really just be free, like kind of like, and y'all are taking how y'all take it, but similar to like some of the, um, some of my friends who I knew before they started college, they had like a gap year. And most of those friends happened to just be white. Um, they had a gap year and in that gap year, they like did whatever they wanted. They were literally free. So when they came back to college, they knew what they wanted to do. They didn't have this going back and forth. And when they partied, they partied hard because they knew that they got all their stuff done to party. Yeah, I wanted to do a semester at sea. And that this really happened after, because my first cruise was when I was 18 after high school. So I got addicted immediately. And they had a show about it. Um, I don't know if y'all remember, it was on MTV back when MTV actually had programming. And now it's just ridiculousness for 24-7, literal ridiculousness. But they had this show, I think it was called Semester at Sea or Real World Semester at Sea, something to that effect. But it was essentially a bunch of students that were on a cruise ship for a uh, academic semester and they go to different countries and they have different ports and stuff, but they have classes and they have schedules and they have actual like education and it counts as actual credits toward their degree. And I was like, I did not know that was a thing. And I absolutely would have done that back then. So yeah, we could, we could do a college 2.0 with what I know now is all about me. That part with what I know now. <laughs> But y'all know we have a quote of every episode and today's quote is education is not just about going to school and getting a degree. It's about widening your knowledge and absorbing the truth about life. And this is by listen. I was waiting. I was waiting to see how this is going to go down. What it looks like is Shakuntala. Shakuntala. That's Shakuntala? what it looks like to me. Listen, these names be naming. I did the best I could. But you have a great quote, though, because we used you for today. Wink, wink. Yes. I mean, this quote is big facts. As human beings, you never stop learning. It's very much not exclusive to a school setting, you know, with a professor and homework and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't look like that. 
but you have a few years of that. Yeah. But the grand scheme of life, you're always learning something. There's always something to learn and absorb and to, to grow into and evolve. So, and if you're not doing any of that stuff, then what is she doing, bro? No, I definitely agree with you. And kind of like when we were talking about the either or college is more than a degree. College is about partying, networking, experiencing life. Like I feel like this is, it's not your whole life, but this is one of those introductory phases into life. Like really going abroad, going to different places, really experiencing different cultures. I had the pleasure of living with someone from Thailand and we call her, her name wasn't Thai, but we call her Thai, but freaking amazing. And like, yeah, you're right. Moving through the world on your own. And I just love that because this is where you as an an introductory adult really get to understand what adulting is. And I'm not going to say everybody because some people got everything paid for and their adulting experience or their introductory phase is totally different. But some people have to realize like, okay, I'm on my own. I have to pay bills. I still want to hang out with friends, but now how do I balance going to school, getting a degree, hanging with friends, partying, but I also want to do a study abroad. Who's going to pay for all this? So you are really getting to do some more of that critical thinking, but also those life skills that are going to be sufficient when you need it are going to be utilized more when you need it further in life. But it's all about, to me, this beautiful experience now. Yeah, I definitely remember having that, listen, that freedom where your parents aren't waking you up and you don't have a class till 12 and... Just being able to really exist in the world on your own terms to a certain degree is really an experience. And college definitely is kind of the environment where I think a lot of those discoveries happen. I agree with you. And ladies and gents, this is what we're talking about today is the college experience. And how did this come about? Well, as y'all know, I have a little bitty sister and I call her my boo, but she's not little anymore because she's obviously in college, right? (laughs) But um, we are preparing to move her back into not only the dorm, but she's actually getting her own place. And so now it has brought up a lot of questions and things about like college life of like not just living in a dorms, but what does that look like? You have your own place. Now you got to pay bills. Now you living with not just you, but you have housemates. How does that affect where y'all share the kitchen, the living room and things like that? But you don't, you have your own space, but you still got to be able to, what is everybody cleanliness? So it's this whole entire thing about adulting, me and her, um, talked about just a little bit of this is the phase where any and everybody gonna help you out (laughs) and I say that but really being a college student is like the best of both worlds like you get your freedom but you still have a lot of help from family and friends because we know you're in college to be better yourself and so I told her take advantage of that shoot go (laughs) tell people I'm in college I can't do that or I can't afford that because most people most college students and I say most not all most college students are broke so they know if you come to family be like, oh, we want to do this. I can't afford. So everybody's going to pay for the baby because you're in college. You know, now when you get out of college, you do the store. And so with that, we wanted to just talk to y'all about like, you know, because we said we were education. And telling you our experiences. So we want to circle back to our college experience and like really honing in and what that was and how we experienced it. And, you know, some regrets or I won't say regrets, some lessons that were learned. College was a hoot. I mean, college for me was it was it had highs and it had very, very low lows. But I remember one of the first 
I feel like one of the first memories I've had of really putting my foot down and standing on this adult foot, so to speak, was my, at the tail end of my freshman year, I think it was. Because freshman year, we had to stay on campus. Freshmen had to stay on campus in the dorms. We couldn't commute unless you lived, I think, like in the zip code or something. Um, clearly, I did not. So I had to stay on campus and we couldn't have cars, if I'm not mistaken. But I know I didn't have a vehicle. And I had financial aid, aka student loans. I covered tuition, it covered books, and I had money left over, so that covered my meal plan at the dorms and stuff. I covered staying at the dorms. And I remember I only had one roommate, so it wasn't terrible. I lived in a brand new dorm. Like, we didn't even have grass yet at the, like, on the landscaping. They had just built this building. It was just open enough where students could move in, and, like, we had a laundromat and all things functioned, but, like, the, the cosmetic stuff wasn't complete yet. But I wanted the brand new dorm. I wanted the new, new. When I stayed there for orientation it looked like a converted jail and I was like I can't live my life like this <laughs> can't, can't happen you know what I'm talking about can't happen so like I am going to live in the new new and it was co-ed I knew that my parents did not until we moved in and they was like what are all these dudes doing here and I was like oh I'm gonna live here tonight but I remember after that year of being in the dorms and not having the access that I had at home like a full kitchen mainly a kitchen full of food <laughs> okay and I would text my dad like I need food and he would like transfer me some money so I could go get stuff to eat I remember like breaking down the money like breaking down the numbers and being like I go get an apartment like they had student apartment it was fully furnished it was what I call fake adulthood where it's fully furnished the only bills you have is your rent which essentially is just your room and like the shared electricity I think was the only other bill internet was included cables included everything is included you know except you and yourself really and truly and I was like rent was three $350 a month, $350. And I was like, I broke it down. And I was like, I could totally have be in a whole apartment with a whole kitchen, a much bigger room, my own space, and still have money left over as opposed to staying in the dorms. And my parents didn't want me to stay in the dorms. They were like, no, like, we do not want you to have your own apartment. But that was too much freedom, I think, for them. Like, in their eyes, I think that was just too much. I, it wasn't on campus, it was an off campus apartment, but it was on the shuttle route. So, like, I could still get to campus easily. But they were like, and I was like, no, I'm making the decision. And I just remember that was probably the first time of me advocating for myself in my new adulthood. I think it was 19. I wasn't even 20. Okay. I was, I was making dumb decisions, but I really advocated for myself in that, in that moment. And that was like, I think one of the first times that me making my own decisions and knowing that I could do that. And my parents really didn't have a say was like, that was kind of an experience to me. And I was like, Ooh, I won. Cause I got my apartment and I moved out. Yeah. I love how you said this is fake adulthood because it really is like and then my thought is like who started this stupid rule that because you're a freshman you can't have a car and you have to stay on campus like whoever started that rule I just want to let you know that that's unfair because my family has the ability to provide me a car when I was in high school I should have my car on college because who gonna take me to get groceries because getting groceries riding like the little shuttle and walking with all those groceries are not fun on top of it really makes and I may be going left but it really makes people vulnerable because I remember when I was a freshman, we befriended upperclassmen, not because we wanted to be our friends, but because <laughs> y'all had a car and y'all could take us to the grocery store and back. Yeah, you're right. Like, oh, yep. And they, and we befriended y'all because y'all had, y'all were 21 and y'all can get us out. Uh -huh. But also there was no Uber, no Lyft, no Instacart, no Amazon delivery, none of that back then. So y'all kind of set us up to be kind of like pet about or like something harm. <laughs> 
about it because I feel like if I had a car in high school, it shouldn't just stop because I'm a freshman in college. Give me my car. That is my rant for the day. <laughs> but I even think about like, you know, we're entering this fake adulthood, right? In college. And you think about like budgets. And I'm like, even as a college student, I don't even know if college students even budget or they just like know like, hey, my rent is, like you said, my rent is $350. <laughs> as long as I have $350 to pay rent. Because again, fakeness is that all bills are included. That's not real life. That is not real life. That by itself is a headache of like having that huge transition of like, oh, all bills are included, da, da, da. And then when you transition out of college and you get a real apartment, first and foremost, the rent triples. <laughs> Second of all, you're like, wait a minute. How do I even set up electricity? How do I set up gas? How do I, who, who, where's the water company coming from? Like these are life skills that needs to be talked about in college. Hell, before college, honestly. But at least if I'm gonna go through this, what is it called? The simulation of adulthood. Give me the whole entire, give me, give me all of it. So then I am well-equipped and pre- and prepared when I leave. So I think that's the whole entire thing. And then like, I'm just, I'm laughing at college and like parents and like, oh, boys are here. Yes. You didn't send me to all girls school. You send me to where it's some fine men on this campus. And I need you to leave because you were embarrassing me. I mean, like be for real, this ain't spelling. Like this is not, <laughs> yes, this is a mixture of everybody that are, that's getting an education here. Yeah. Like I remember I, I, there was no, budgeting wasn't a thing. That wasn't, budgeting was me paying rent for the entire semester because of what's left over from my student loans. You pay tuition, it goes to school first to pay tuition. What's left over, you get a refund, you buy your books. I paid my rent for the semester. So it was one thing I didn't have to deal with. I didn't have lights. I didn't have internet. I didn't have cable. Like none of these real life expenses. So now I have, you know, a couple thousand dollars in this coach bagging on sales. So that's what had happened for me, which mind you, because of student loans, I'm still paying for this part. <laughs> I graduated a very long time. So yeah, like I, budgeting was not a thing. It wasn't anything that I set down and really worked out. I'm going to save this much here, put money aside for paying these damn loans back when I get out of school. None of that. That was the furthest thing from my mind. Okay. It was like, what are we going to eat? Where are we going to go shopping? What are we doing this weekend? Pretty much in that order. Like there was no sort of budgeting or any of that kind of stuff and low-key high-key that can set you up for failure because there really is no structure as far as adulthood goes to or or any sort of guidance on how refund money works how financial aid money works aside from just taking care of your tuition and making sure that you can still go to school or whatever but they also don't tell you initially that you're only going to get financial aid for so many years and after that they ain't giving you no money like you have to fund that yourself so or get a degree like graduate or whatever so like there's so much information that is just up in the air which is why I will this is a hill I will die on is this was fake adulthood this was not real a straight up simulation this was me being in the sims for real for real like who who's making these rules because they make no sense girl yes and you already know where I work right so I work with college students and that is the one thing that I cannot tell them enough is that a lot of these college kids are like bouncing from college to college, community to college, community college to university to university, thinking like, oh, the government's always going to pay. No, they have a cap. Meaning if you're in more than seven, I want to say seven and a half, eight years capped. And not only that, you just hold, like, even if you're in like maybe three 
years, right? And your first semester, you blew off, but you took all that money out, right? Second semester, you blew off, but you took all that money out, right? Now you're on academic probation. Academic probation now hinders your financial aid. People don't realize that, right? So they're like, oh, it's okay. I can bring it back up because I'm going to get this grant money because da 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 Yeah. But now it's um, no more grant money for you because you have demonstrated your first, second, and third semester that you, this ain't for you. Like you need to figure out something else. And so then what I'm seeing is that I have so many students that come back, like don't, don't even qualify financial aid. Like they don't qualify. Paying out of pocket and having to either A, get like a transition to a vocational or a trade or certificate and have to pay out of pocket because financial aid has been tapped out. Like you've tapped out. Like you literally blew it off for four and a half, five years. They're not going to keep giving you money for you to do the same thing. That's insanity. But budgeting, I thought this was so, so amazing when you are around the right people. The college that we both went to, I had a friend and his major was like film communications, but his father was like a big time accounting person. Right. And I remember when we were, cause we did like some odd end jobs together or whatever. And so he was telling me like every job he gets, he automatically takes 10 to $20 out and pays it on his own. And I was like, why don't you pay that when you, when you actually get a real job? And he was like, yeah, but if I pay it now, because depending on if you have subsidized or unsubsidized loan makes a big difference. Like if it's unsubsidized, the day you take it out, your interest start on subsidized loans. You actually wait until you six months after you graduate to start paying them back. And so we were talking about his subsidized loans and he was telling me like, there's no interest now, but if I'm paying 10 to $20, I'm paying on the principal. So by the time I graduate, my principal will be something that I can pay in total and I won't have any interest or anything, but he, you know, that six month period, I should get a job to then pay everything back. And I was just like, who taught you this? And he was like, his daddy. And so should, yes, you should, but that six month period ain't guaranteed y'all because listen, how life is life and how these people are doing stuff with the powers that be, Lord, we just hope people can get a job at McDonald's before the robots take over. But that's another story. But he told me his dad taught him this. And I was like, oh, so of course me being me, I go back to my financial aid counselor. And I'm like, hey, how do I pay on my loan? And she was like, oh, well, you can't do that when you graduate. And I was like, no, my friend told me I can do blah, blah, blah. And they were like, oh, no, you can do it when you graduate. And I was like, I feel like you're telling me wrong. Again, I was dealing with a non-POC person. So obviously I feel some type of way now looking back on this. And so I was like, "Mm, okay. So there was another lady who I went to my community college with who actually went to our, our university who was in financial aid. So I was able to set up a meeting with her. And I was like, hey, that person didn't really help me. He kept telling me like the wrong about, but can you help me figure out how I can start paying on my, my student loan? And I have a subsidized loan. And she was like, girl, yeah, set me down. Didn't even know I had an account. None of this. <laughs> Show me how to make sure I can log into my account, connected it to my bank account. And I'm like paying like different amounts on my um, student loan as I go. And then same lady was able to help me get a full, not a full ride, but like become a research assistant and at my university when I got my master's. So it wasn't as much, but it's like those things that people don't tell you when you're going to college or like those little things that, like you said, quotes and quote should know or the assumptions, but we don't know. And it's so hard because like, if I don't know this information, I, I really, nay, I'm mad at you because you ain't on this episode today because I need my di- my dictionary. But there is a difference between being ignorant and being dumb, right? Like ignorance, like you just don't know, like you don't know what you don't know. And that's, that's okay. Like, let me educate you instead of you continue to be ignorant. Dumb and or stupid to me is you know this information, but you choose to keep going against the information. So if I tell you, if you want to get out of debt or whatever, just pay $10 
a month and you're like, no, nah, that's not it. That's not it. Okay. Now you've been dumb and stupid. And I feel like dumb and stupid are typically two different things too. So I may just go with stupid. Yeah. Now you've been stupid. But yeah, that's a whole entire thing. So I find this interesting because it had always been law, okay, in our home that go to college after you graduate high school. That's it. My father has her ba- has his bachelor's. My mom got her associates. Like I come from college educated people. There's so many of my cousins, aunts, uncles, all these people have degrees. Like that's very much the norm. And we had those conversations several times. What conversation didn't happen was how to pay for this. So it was like the expectation is there. You got to go to college. You got to go to college. You got to go to college. But there was never a, if I am pushing the narrative to my child for them to go to college, get a higher education, but I'm not giving them any information on how to afford to do that. Either I'm not funding it in whatever many of ways that parents can fund for their kids to go to school. I think one of which is like, and there's an investment one. I think it's a 529 something or other, but that, that wasn't a thing. So like, it wasn't a, you could get a job to pay for it. Or there was like, you can, you know, apply for scholarships or whatever, but like grants wasn't a thing. Pell Grant wasn't a conversation. I figured that out in the midst of trying to figure out scholarships or whatever, but my parents made too much money. So I didn't qualify for a Pell Grant. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like there were so many things that quote unquote existed, but there, I didn't know any of these things. And this wasn't a conversation that my parents had given me. Like if I'm going to make my child go to college or strongly encourage and potentially enforce them to go to college, why is the, like, why was there no conversation on how to fund them to do it? If I'm making you do something, I should at least be able to provide you, if I can't provide you financially to be able to do it, provide you resources, adequate resources in order to do those things. And this is how I ended up taking out $70,000 in student loans and working three jobs, like for this bachelor's that took me five years to get, like, you know what I mean? So like, this is the stuff that I don't get with this narrative and this, this whole go to college and, and get a degree and all that kind of stuff. But there's no subsequent conversation or support when it comes to, well, you making me do all this, but how am I, I'm literally 18. Like what? I'm supposed to afford this how, you know what I mean? And then pay it back, stuff like that. Like putting money aside while in school to pay. That wasn't a thing that existed. One thing I did know is about that hot dog stand that was in front of the union. I knew about that and I would get my combo before I would go to my English class. That's all I knew. Yeah, I think you make a great point. Parents can only teach you what they know, but then it to me proposes the question of like, for me, I'm like, I don't have children right now, but I have a little sister. I know my experience. I don't want her to have to go through that. So my thing is like, for me, total opposite is that I was raised by my grandparents. So they didn't go to college. So the conversation that was had with me was, hey, we going to see what we can do, but I have an older sister. So they did the parent plus loan. They did so much stuff for her to get her in college that that's another thing, y'all. Please, please, please be aware of how many kids you have and how close you have them because, and I'm not being, I'm not being rude. I'm giving y'all some game. Whether you pick it up and take it is up to you. And I say that because if you are not financially set, but you do want your kids to go to college, if you have kids literally less than a year and or two to three years apart, they're going to be in college at the same time. They're going to overlap. And that's two people that you have to figure out how you're going to pay for it. If you haven't thought about that yet, what does that look like? Because they both going to get hungry. What does that look like when one of them is stuck and they, you got to pick up both of them at the same time? Like these are things that you got to process through. And I say that because when it was my turn to go to college, the money was tapped. Like they, I couldn't take out any people. Well, I, they couldn't take out any parent loans because they took out so much from my older sister. And so for me, it was more like, oh, I'm sorry, you can't go to your dream school because 
because of her. And I'm not going to lie. There was a lot of resentment and a lot of anger towards her because I'm like, Heffa, you didn't even try to get a scholarship. Like your, your, your quote unquote thought process was like, oh, they'll take care of. Which I mean, as a high school student, you've taken care of us so far. So that's our assumption. Because unless you're educated about like how to pay for college, you assume that your parents are going to take care of it. But with that assumption, kids, college students, if y'all are listening, if your parents are struggling financially while you're in high school, when you're in college, it's not going to be a difference. It's just a larger, it's a different type of struggle. And so for me, I had to really quote unquote, get out of this fake adulthood and be a grown up real quick of like, how the hell am I paying for this? So between the jobs and stuff like that, like when a lot of my friends and I will say, I splurge on like clothes and shoes, like every college kid, you know, in their 20s. Um, I think I was in my teens because I was still like 17, 18. But understand how this works. If you do not want to come out of college with, like Sunny D said, 70 plus thousand dollars of debt, understand how this system is set up for you to take out loans. To Why are you taking out loans? Because you're borrowing. If you, my grandpa always used to say, if you owe me, I will never go broke because at any given time, I can come back and ask for my money. <laughs> Oh, which is true, right? And so also never loan out money you can't pay back or you need right back. I think Drake said that. Never loan, I never loan out money that I need right back. But yeah, I think we should really be able to understand how to use the money, but also don't have your kids in debt. Like you, if you had parents that went to college, give them the game. Don't let them find out by themselves. And I think for me, I didn't have parents that went to college. So it was a lot of I can't blame you for something you didn't know because honestly, you were ignorant to it. You didn't know a lot of stuff until my older sister went to college. And even her experience was totally different than mine because my college was like, hey, let me figure out. And again, network. When I say, when you are the nicest to people in financial aid, <laughs> they will help you out because luckily my grandmother came, I think it was me and my grandma and we were talking, me and my grandma, my, my grandparents and myself, we were talking to the people in financial aid. Come to find out my grandpa knew this lady. Yes, yes, yes. Kindness can be the best currency. Yes. My grandpa was talking to this lady in financial aid and come to find out they know the same people and not only know the same people, but I mean, like this could be a possible relation, like relative. So that lady was like, you know what? This is what I'm gonna do. She told me like about three scholarships that I need to tell apply for that the deadlines were closed. Literally, my grandfather looked at me and was like, what you doing tonight? Get on it. <laughs> I applied for those scholarships and by the grace of God had a, had to come back the next weekend to meet with the scholarship, the head person in scholarship and do an in-person interview. I had to write a whole essay and he gave me all those scholarships. So again, looking back, maybe that's where God needed me to be because the, my college experience at that, uh, that college wasn't as expensive as it would have been if I would have went to my dream school. Also like just be kind to people because you never know who's holding your next blessing. And that lady, if it wasn't for my grandfather, because I'm not going to lie. I came down there pissed because I didn't want to go to the school. This wasn't my top choice. I'm mad that we don't have the money. Like it was a lot of different layers going on. And I'm like, if it wasn't for my grandfather, who's like this kind hearted person to actually take the initiative and go talk to these people, I would have never got a scholarship. And I probably would have been a lot worse off than I am now. You know, that's her second rant of this episode. <laughs>
I just wanted to throw in a quick book tip, which I feel like nowadays is more of a tip hack situation or whatever than it was when we were in school because this really wasn't a thing that existed. But textbooks and buyback is bullshit. I'm going to say it because what happens is you're required to have these certain textbooks for your, these classes. So on top of paying for your classes, you have to pay for your books, right? Then during the course of the academic school year, they update the photos or change punctuation or update a sentence or 12 or whatever, something small, minuscule, whatever. So now it's a new edition. And now the textbook that you currently have is old and irrelevant and they will not buy it back because now it's old and it's not the uh, the current edition for the coming school year or whatever. So that $90 psychology book that I still have in my mother's garage, I could not sell back because they had a newer edition. Mind you, all the information is exactly the same. They make a couple of changes, you know, spruce up some colors or whatever. Now it's a new edition or whatever. So nowadays, I think there are a lot of the textbooks that are available online. You got to give with people who know who know what the, what they know, you know what I'm saying, that have the cheat code for being able to access these textbooks so y'all can share, okay? Study groups are still a thing. They're still very much helpful. Nakai had me in study groups during that last year of college. And I was like, why are we still up? <laughs> like, what is this? But damn it, I passed and I got my degree. So I'm grateful for it. But get with your people that have the same books. Y'all study the same stuff, borrow from other people or whatever you got to do, or use old textbooks because again, the information is the same and do that as opposed to taking out unnecessary money to buy these books that you cannot sell back. And FYI, all the money that you get that's given to you for uh, financial aid or the student loans that they're like, hey, we can give you X amount of money. Do not have to take the entirety of that total. You only need to take out what you need to take out. Lord knows I wish somebody would have said that to me because I, I may not have this coach purse, but damn it, I don't have all these student loans either if you only take out what it is that you need. So book tip, you may not actually need to buy that textbook. Somebody A already has it or B, you can find it online. Save yourself the stress, please. And you can rent it. There's textbooks you can rent. And literally, it's like you rent for $20 a semester and you take it back, but you can't highlight or anything in there. And I know I used to do rent doc. I think it's rent check or something where you can rent books. And for me, what I did, <laughs> I literally would like rent it, go ahead and like copy everything because I worked in a department where I can copy as much as I wanted. I copied everything, did what I need, and then sent the book back. Got my $20 back because I was like, oh, I don't need this book anymore. And it's like a certain amount of time that you can send it back. And I sent it back and it was cheaper for me to do that than pay hundred something dollars for a book that I'm only going to use for a semester. Now, side note, I'm going to say this and we're about to move on. Y'all, the best thing about the college experience for me is food. Like to have access to all these different cafeterias and ice cream at the drop of a dime and I don't have to pay for my ice cream. And I get some, not at my first college, but at my second college where you, uh, Sunny D and I went. Like they had some really good food. And at that time I wasn't a vegetarian. So I was eating like crazy. <laughs> I was eating chicken nuggets, chicken strips. Like I get hungry. Like when we had that study group, like we were bringing pizza in, like, okay, study break. Let's go get pizza and ice cream. Like I'm telling you, like food is abundant. And this is why most people gain a freshman 15. They sophomore 20. They junior, I got to try to get it back. They senior, I done got 35 and let's keep going. So the food, y'all, eat, 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 enjoy that. And also what I have learned, take some uh, food containers so you can have some food when you get to your dorm room because y'all have a fridge. Just put that food in there, keep going. So yeah, and with that, we're going to move into Moments of Melanation. Moments of Melanation. 
Moments of Melanation is where we highlight a Black person doing their thing. Today for Moments of Melanation, we are highlighting. And so since we are talking about colleges, today we're going to highlight an amazing college. But before we do that, wanted to let y'all know, like Black colleges have played in, in a huge, if y'all didn't know, a huge important role in the education, empowerment, and success of African-American students. From the missionaries that taught runaway slaves to the trade schools that were founded in the early 20th century. Some HBCUs, that's also called, that's the acronym for, if you didn't know, historically Black colleges and universities, also known as HBCUs, however, have more history than others. There are over 100 HBCUs in the United States. If you didn't know, now you know. And many of those institutions have served African-American students for more than 100 years. So y'all, on February 25th, 1837, that's a long time ago, but not so long ago, but it's a long time ago. Cheney University of Pennsylvania became the nation's first historically Black college and university, aka HBCU. The university was established through the bequest of Richard Humphreys, a Quaker, who with 10,000 of one-tenth of his estate to design and establish a school to educate people of African descent and prepare them as teachers. First known as the African Institute, the school was soon renamed the Institute for Colored Youth. I don't like that name. Oh, I'm glad it's renamed now. <laughs> in its early years, it provided training in trades and agriculture, hence what we were talking about earlier, right? Which were the prominent skills needed in the general economy. In 1902, the institution was relocated to George Cheney's farm, a 250-acre property just 25 miles west of Philadelphia. The name Cheney became associated with the school in 1913 through the school's official name change several times during the 20th century. With that, I love this because one, it just shows like this is the first, like the first HBCU, right? I'm excited about this because I feel like we always go like, oh, I went to HBCU. I went to HBCU. But sometimes you don't even know the history of your HBCU. You just know it's HBCU. And to me, I think history matters. Like if you understand the history, you understand why you celebrate it, right? And so for this um, institution to start off specifically with trades and agriculture to then grow into like a full university that it is today, like that is major. And for someone to see like this Quaker to see like, hey, these African descended people or AKA POCs or AKA colored people, AKA black people need to be educated too, because hence they are the ones ones that are helping us, growing us. And fun fact, most the un, what is it called? The most patent people who don't have patents are black people because someone stole their patent or they couldn't quote unquote, they didn't qualify as humans or people. So they couldn't apply to have a patent. So when you give ammunition to people who are already destined and already intelligent, you're just helping the whole entire economy, but you're also helping them, those people to grow and to be able to survive and live. So I want to say kudos to this university, one for being the first. Keep going, keep doing your thing. And I'm excited for this. I This is actually kind of surprising because I actually have never heard of Cheney University. I actually figured the first HBCU would have been like Howard or something that I'm more familiar with. You know what I mean? Something that I'm more familiar with, Morehouse or something. But granted, most of these, most HBCUs that exist, like the ones that come to your mind when you think of an HBCU, have been around since like the 1800s, the late 1800s, like 1870s, 1880s, stuff like that, in the early 1900s. So it's not uncommon for you to have those thoughts when you think of like first HBCUs. But the fact that there was a person that's like, we, we need to give these people a space where they can go 
grow and they can learn and be educated and in turn become teachers and educate others that are like them. You know what I mean? I think that that's really cool. I personally did not go to an HBCU. I went to a PWI and I really wish that I would have went to an HBCU. I wish I would have. That's part of the going back to college. I would do it at an HBCU and have that experience of it. My dad went to an HBCU and he, you know, is Greek and all that kind of stuff. So I know his fraternity. My daddy is an alpha. And and a lot of my family members are Greek that also went to HBCUs, like Prairie View, stuff like that. But I didn't have that experience. And thinking back on it, I, I specifically know why I didn't have that experience because I was like, there's too many Black people in one space. But that's that internalized racism that you are kind of conditioned to have when you grow up in the suburbs uh, the way that I did. But now I definitely wish I would have had that experience. So I'm glad that, exp- that HBCUs exist. I think that it's really important for Black students to have a place and a space where they can go with other people that look like them, that have similar experiences them, that share the same culture and are, that have a community of evolution and growth and wanting to, you know, become the best versions of themselves. And there are so many, like you said, so many successful people that are in high level positions. We're talking that are in government, that are in politics, that are some of the wealthiest businessmen and women on the planet. They're HBCU educated and that's not a mistake. So they definitely need more funding. I want to see HBCUs like in the SS, the SEC. My husband watches college football a lot. And I'm like, why are there no HBCUs like in the Big Ten or wherever other conferences that these people are? Because I really don't. My school was not in any of those conferences. (laughs) I don't know where they are, but they definitely need more of more of a platform because they they're so awesome. And I'm just I kick myself when I think about it that I didn't have that experience. Yeah, I think that's the one thing that I would change is actually go to HBCU too. I think about like what you said, space. And so the beauty of any HBCU is that when you go on campus, everyone looks like it. And so I mean, we didn't say everybody get along, but we say everybody look like it. It's a difference. <laughs> because just like in a PWI, there's some jealousy, some hatred. All that, all the cattiness happens at HBCUs too. Let's not get it twisted. But I do for me, because we both went to PWIs, is that I don't ever think, I don't ever feel like there was just a space for us unless there was a Greek event or like if there was like the poetry events, but there was no space just for us or the multicultural center. And it was okay, but it was, you know, not just for us, you know? And so I really think like going to HBCU, if y'all are thinking about it, it's great because you have people that look like you, but also you have people that look like you that want you to succeed. Not because, yes, because of the color of your skin, you may get a leg up into knowing and understanding a lot of different things that we may not. But then also flip the script that I had a friend that went to HBCU and they didn't have a lot of the um, degree plans or like quote unquote pathways that we had at a PWI. So understand what you want to do. So you're not wasting your time and money, but also understand exposure matters. Like maybe you need to do a PWI or HBCU for undergrad and PWI for grad and that's okay. But just get that experience somehow and make your own, make your own space, create your own clubs. And with that, we want to say thank you all for listening. Um, We're going to end this episode with an affirmation and our affirmation today is I am always developing myself. And this is from the I am app. And with that, we want to say thank you. You can catch us up, (laughs) catch us on Wednesdays, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as 
YouTube, Google Podcasts, Red Circle. You can always, always, always catch naysays at where'smyblueprintpod.com with all the blog. And also subscribe to the newsletter. Oh, like, follow, and share this podcast, Instagram posts, TikToks. And if y'all ever have any questions or anything, please DM us on our Instagram page or click that link tree and contact us. And with that, we want to say thank you. We love you. Or let me rephrase. We like you. We're over now. Peace out.